Well, just before Christmas, on the 21st of December, it was the 50th anniversary of a remarkable space mission. Apollo 8 was launched from the Kennedy Space Center, and the voyage of discovery took place to orbit the moon. The astronauts Frank Borman, uh, James Lovell, and William Anders became the first humans to escape Earth's gravity the first manned rocket mission to explore the far side of the moon. And they made a Christmas Eve television broadcast. And while in lunar orbit, they read from Genesis, and they gave the world that first Earthrise photo. And then seven months later, 1969, Apollo 11 mission took place, and the first moon landing in, yes, it was. He's got it right. It's behind me. <laughs> Age nearly seven. I remember those words of Neil Armstrong. And he said, that's one small step for a man. One giant leap for mankind. <coughs> I find it amazing to think that all that people have achieved in terms of space exploration. Think more recently of NASA's New Horizons spacecraft that's beamed home close-up images of Ultima Fuel, that lump of rock that looks like an unfinished snowman. It lies four billion miles away at the edge of our solar system, and it's the most distant world ever studied by humanity. And I find it amazing and humbling, too, to see these images. The search for truth understanding and meaning. And it's part of my own testimony, actually, when I was just 16, that I remember looking at the night sky with a friend of mine, and as we pondered the skies, my faith that there must be more than this came alive. And if there is a creator of all of this, then it demands my allegiance it demands everything. It changes everything if there is a creator. I think it was the astronaut James A. Lovell that said, God walking on the earth is more important than man walking on the moon. I see my own Christian pilgrimage as being a voyage of discovery. People know so much about the hows and the whens of life, yet so little about the who's and the why's. Who made all this? And why? What's it for? No wonder Neil Armstrong looked back at the earth from the moon and he admitted, I don't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. Perhaps that's why the Magi embarked on their voyage of discovery. They came from Jerusalem following a star and they asked where the one who was to be born the king of the Jews, where the one who was to be the king of the Jews was to be born. We're not sure if they were kings or there were camels or how many there were, but we do know there was a star and it had a huge impact on them. Something beyond us something beyond them. And it led these wise seekers to find Jesus, 
You see, these were guys who studied the stars. Magi is from the root of our word magician. But they were probably not magicians as such. They were scientific astrologers, not the sort that produced horoscopes for the newspapers, more like scholars or or sages or court advisors, probably of the Zoroastrian religion. They believed in one God, but quite differently from Judaism. And these people of other faith came probably from Persia or Iran, as we call it today. And we think they arrived at least six weeks after Christ's birth, i.e. after his dedication in the temple. Maybe even longer than that. Their journey would have been about 1,200 miles, about a 60-day trek from Persia to Judea, all to pay honor to a newborn king, the king of the Jews. And it's interesting, I find it interesting anyway, that the wise took longer to get there than the shepherds. Admittedly, the shepherds had some help, an angel, (laughs) telling them to go, but they got there first. But the wise eventually got there. The Bible talks about them coming to the house and seeing the child rather than a baby. So it could have been quite a lot later. We don't know. And there's a debate about what star they saw. But whatever it was, it led them to ask King Herod where the new Jewish king was to be born. And it turns out that Herod wasn't actually the best and most sympathetic guide to ask. When he heard about the Magi, We read in verse 4, he called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what is written. They went on to talk about the prophet Micah. And Herod sent the Magi off to find the child and to keep him posted on what they found. His plan was to deal with the issue because he was insecure about it all. But the Magi were warned in a dream. Yes, they had some help, just like the shepherds. And they were told not to go back to Herod. And perhaps that's when they realized that Herod was up to no good. So they go back to Persia by another route. And hence, Herod's evil plan to kill children under the age of two. Notice under the age of two, that's another reason we think Jesus was probably a bit older. But he had to eliminate the birth of the one that could be a threat to him. And the Bible highlights the dangers elsewhere of astrology and sorcery and clearly warns us not to dabble in such things. So it's quite surprising that these Gentile foreigners, men of a different religion, astrologers, are the ones who are prompted to find our Lord and Savior. And they were powerfully used by God. Now, Matthew is the only gospel writer who mentions the visit of the Magi. Uh, He doesn't mention the visit of the humble shepherds at all, like Luke. But when we read through all the gospels and hold them in balance, it's clear that Jesus came for all people, 
poor and the rich, the illiterate and the educated, for men and for women, for Jews but also for Gentiles, a saviour for the whole world. Hence the great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore to make disciples of all nations. Jesus is the light of the nations. The gospel is for all. My question today is, do we take that seriously enough? Or do we write people off who are different from us? from different cultures, who have a different faith to us. The truth is that God speaks to surprising people. All faiths are not the same. That's to trivialize other people's beliefs and not to understand them or to honor them. But we should treat people of other faith with respect Listen to each other and learn from each other. Be respectful and humble, earning the right to be heard in dialogue with them. Yes, of course, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. Yes, I believe, Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given in heaven under which we must be saved. But God, by his grace, is in the revelation business, wooing people to himself, longing for people to come to him. He is our judge, and we have no right to judge anybody. He is the judge. What we have to do is to be in the business of revealing what we have found to be true on our journey of faith, but always listening for the opportunity that we may have got something wrong. Because we're in the truth business. Abraham Lincoln once said, when I'm getting ready to reason with a man, I spend one third of my time thinking about myself and what I'm going to say, and two thirds thinking about him and what he's going to say. That's what dialogue is all about. I wish Christians would take more time thinking about what other people believe so that we can actually dialogue with them in sensible ways. Uh, Kina, uh, or was it Martin, mentioned uh, Epiphany. uh, I think it was Kina, (laughs) was talking about the journey of the Magi. Epiphany comes from the word to reveal. A moment of sudden Uh, Revelation or realization is called an epiphany. And Jesus was sent to reveal the truth of God, the Son of God. And we surely should be longing for people to have their own epiphany where they come to find the truth in Christ. One of my favorite Christmas cards has the text, The Wise Still Seek Jesus. Because it's in him, I think, we find the answers. A solution to the sense of hopelessness in the world, together with the power to confront and overcome evil, to find peace and healing and hope. Jesus also releases generosity, or should do, within us. 
The Magi brought symbolic gifts. Kena's going into those, so I'm not going to. But they may have provided much-needed help for that poor family as they escaped from Herod. We don't know whether they kept them. We don't know whether they sold them. We're not told. But all we know, they were symbolic gifts. But they were all part of God's plan. Just think for a moment where Jesus was born. Entering Bethlehem's church at the Nativity, you'll find that the door was lowered in about 1500 AD to stop looters driving their carts into uh, the uh, church. And Christians find it really significant, if you've been there and I've been there, that you have to bow low to enter in to the place that marks where our Lord was born. When Jesus was born, people often tend to think, well, I, I, I make my judgment about that. You know, I've got my thoughts all sewn up. I wonder whether in humility, when we think about Christ, we can bow down and be open to the truth that he longs to bring to us and also encourage others not to have closed minds, but to have their minds open in humility to what the Christ child may be saying to us. People were waiting for a powerful Messiah, one who would liberate God's people. That's what they were expecting. Despite all the Old Testament prophecies, they weren't prepared for a vulnerable baby, a servant king who would rule in peace, a shepherd of Israel who would one day lay down his life for the sheep. People who got their religion all sewn up. There's a sense, I think, that it would be good for us at the beginning of a new year to enter 2019 with humility, with an openness to the Holy Spirit, to be prepared for the unexpected. What is the new thing that God may be saying to us? It was the French novelist and critic Marcel Proust who is often quoted as saying the real voyage of discovery consists in not seeking new landscapes but in having new eyes. The quote actually comes from a a larger piece called The Prisoner which was written in 1932. Let me read the words. The only true voyage, the only bath in the fountain of youth would not be to visit strange lands, but to possess other eyes, to see the universe through the eyes of another, of a hundred others, to see the hundred universes that each of them sees, that each of them is. And this we do with great artists, with artists like these, we really do fly from star to star. I wonder whether we have our own eyes or whether we're open to the truth by actually seeing things from another person's perspective and letting the Holy Spirit speak to us. You see, the Magi were prepared to have new eyes. They were prepared to journey. Herod could only see things from his selfish point of view. I wonder whether we're open 
to where the Holy Spirit might speak to us through others. To hold on, yes, to our traditions of faith, but also to step into the shoes of others and be open to where the Lord leads us on our spiritual journey with humility and love in our relationships. Because sometimes it's when we open our hearts to unexpected people, God reveals something really significant to us. It's so easy to miss out on God's truth because we think we've got it all sewn up. We become too big for our Christian boots. Our God becomes too small. We will only fly from star to star with the maker of the universe if we let the spirit of truth lead us into all truth. And that may involve falling down in worship more often, opening our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to having our lives surrendered truly to Christ, giving our gifts in generosity with others. And so I want to challenge you. Will you commit to a voyage of discovery in 2019? Will you reach out to engage with all who seek after truth? Not surrendering our beliefs, but actually longing in that process of engaging with people to actually share what we believe to be true. Praying that Christ will give us the light to lead us on the way. Will you commit to study together? Those who meet in fellowship groups and house groups will say how much they've benefited from listening to other people's points of views, listening to how they've understood the scriptures, and together as you share, God leads us into greater truth. As we pray with other people and people who pray differently from us, we can see things differently. And will we be in fellowship with others? And by this, I don't just mean other Christians. How many of you spend more time with Christians than you do anywhere else? Francis and I have made it our aim not to spend all our life in the church. We belong to a rotary club. Uh, we had our neighbours round the other day for uh, 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 drinks one evening just to meet with people who are not Christians. Have an opportunity to share our faith, to listen to them. In our Rotary Club, there are people of different faith and different backgrounds. And we do that because I don't want to spend my life with Christians. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to learn more about the world through other people. Because it's when we do that, we have an opportunity to share the light of Christ. How often do you speak to people of other faith? Do you love them enough to listen to them? appreciate their voyage of discovery and perhaps give them some pointers on the way that we've found, but we have to listen to them too in case we're missing something along the way. Sometimes people of other faith can challenge us about the depth of our commitment when we hear how committed they are to their own faith. I believe it's as we are open to the Holy Spirit by the grace of Christ, we're given the light that we need. And I implore you in 2019, be in fellowship with one another, but don't spend your time only with your sisters and brothers in Christ. 
Christ is the light of all the nations. And we need to be alongside all who are on their voyage of discovery. Will you pray with me as I use a prayer of St. Anselm, who became the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1093? O Lord our God, grant us grace to desire you with our whole heart, so that desiring you, we seek you and find you. And so finding you, may love you. And loving you, we may hate those sins which separate us from you. For the sake of Jesus Christ, amen. We sing together, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Be all else but naught to me, save that you art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night, both waking and sleeping. Thy presence, my light. Let's stand to sing.